Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service and podcast for today, Sunday the 6th of November. The recording comes from Drung Harvest at the end of October and we were joined by Reverend Mark Smith. I'll hand you over to that service now. Well, a very warm welcome to Drung Church uh, today for our harvest celebration. If you've got a service sheet, that should have everything on it that you need uh, for this morning. Welcome to those online. Hello, welcome to you. Um, Just uh, some words from Psalm 144 as we begin. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to be one of God's people. And we're going to sing his praise in this opening traditional harvest hymn. We plough the fields and scatter, recognising all good gifts come from God our Father. Let's uh, remain standing as we sing together. Oh, yeah. 
Please do be seated. And welcome again, and welcome to all the children here. It is an all-age service. It's great to have the children with us uh, today to celebrate harvest. Thank you so much to those who've decorated and made the church look so beautiful. They've done a fantastic job. Uh, so thank you, and thank you for, to those who've um, prepared the tea that we're going to enjoy later on. We heard in that psalm that I read at the beginning, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. God is so good, and he even forgives us when we turn away from him. He's a forgiving God, and so we're going to come to him confident that he forgives those who truly repent and say sorry to him for the times we've not gone his way. So please do join in the words, forgive us and help us. God our Father, we are sorry for the times when we've used your gifts carelessly and acted ungratefully. Hear our prayer and in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We enjoy the fruits of the harvest, but sometimes forget that you have given them to us. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We belong to a people who are full and satisfied, but often ignore the cry of the hungry. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We have sinned against you and against our neighbour, in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We store up goods for ourselves alone, as if there were no God and no heaven. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. The Bible tells us that Jesus died in our place so that we can be forgiven. Listen to these wonderful words from the book of 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I can pray with confidence. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to sing our all-age song that celebrates the world that God has made. You'll see in the first verse, it says, what a beautiful world you've made for us. It is a stunning world, isn't it? I know there's been a lot of rain recently and there's uh, floods, but it's a beautiful world he's made. And it's also a song that celebrates the fruit that God produces in his people. What do you think that is? Do you think that's bananas and oranges, children? What's the fruit that God produces? What is it, yeah? Eternal life? He does give us eternal life, but I was thinking more of the fruit Jesus produces in us of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And this all-age song reminds us of the fruit that Jesus bears in his people. So let's stand and sing. There's nothing better than Jesus. Dorothy's going to help us uh, sing this, and we're going to sing uh, together. Let's stand. Stop it. 
Is that all right, Mark? Can I? Can I? Can we meet you? Here we are. Uh, we right. Turn yeah. it down. Turn it right down. <laughs> I was trying not to make too big a performance of it, but there we are. There, there. We're, we're both here. Um, <laughs> oh, come down. Where have you come from? And you, you haven't left anyone behind, have you? Who have you brought with you? Who have you brought with you? Where, where have you come from, and who have you brought with you today? Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Nice to see you. Um, my name's Mark, so I am from Bally James Doff, the Kildrum Furton group of parishes. And we have, we've, we've left a little dog in oh, our house, yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully he's okay and we won't get back to any messes. Um, he's a little white fluffy thing. Um, but much more importantly, um, my wife Ruth and my little girl Martha um, are here, which is great. And it's, their, it's their first harvest service because of babysitting arrangements and times of services, so they're really glad to be here and to be with you. Fantastic. It's great that uh, they can all be here. You can all be here. What are you thankful for this harvest, Mark? Um, thankful for lots of things. We've just had a lovely lunch at your house. <laughs> so grateful for beetroot and, um, and other delicious things that we've been enjoying. Um, do you know, I'm also really thankful. I um, hope this doesn't sound like too much of a suck up, but um, I've, I've been here about 18 months now. So this is my second kind of harvest in county cavern and kind of more rural areas and I think I've really appreciated just over the last year just how hard the farmers work um, to produce lots of the things that we enjoy and often having to fight to actually get a price that's even breaking even <laughs> with what they're spending. Um, I've got some parishioners this afternoon who are going to be spending the afternoon looking for a calf who's gone missing. Lots and lots of hard work and um, I, I, I was brought up over in England, you can probably tell from the accents, 
uh, not in a farming community. You know, the closest we get to harvest is going to Tesco. Um, but actually moving here, you really appreciate how hard many of you and many of the folk in my churches work. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. Brilliant. Can I ask how you came to, to follow Jesus yourself? You can. Um, I was brought up in a Christian home. So my um, mum and dad um, taught me about Jesus from a young age. But of course, as you know, being brought up in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian any more than being born on a farm makes you a cow. Um, but I, it meant that I did hear about Jesus from an early age. And so I can't, I couldn't tell you a time when I, when I didn't believe in Jesus, when I couldn't have told you that he died for my sins. But I do remember a time very clearly when I was at school, um, when someone came into school and uh, gave a little talk to the, the little Christian union was, that was there um, and explained uh, a verse from Isaiah, uh, which says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he did this kind of thing with a bit of paper. I'll steal your notes, Nick. And um, he said, you know, imagine that light is God and this is us. Um, we've got this barrier between us and God, our sin. And we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And he, he used something heavier than a piece of paper. It's probably a Bible. And it made a good little thump as he did it. And I remember it making a little thump in my heart as well. And thinking, yeah, that's... That is why Jesus died. That's what it means, Jesus died for my sins. So that was a, a key moment, I think, for me. And if you were at the harvest in uh, Lara last week, you'd have seen Willie Nixon, uh, who used that very illustration. Oh, there so there you, you are, still, there still used today. Um, what, are some of the, what are some of the things you find hard about following Jesus in the world today? Yeah, lots of things, I think. Um, just one, one thing I find really hard is talking to people about Jesus, <laughs> talking to people who aren't followers of Jesus. And actually not so much in a setting like this, or we had some events in Valley James Duff last week, kind of reaching out to the town and the community. I don't find that so hard as just talking to one individual who's kind of, there's no escape and they've kind of got the right of reply. And um, I, I just find that really hard. I, I want to do it. I know that I should do it. And maybe you think, because I've got a bit of um, plastic around my neck, I should find it easy to do that. Um, but I don't. I find it really hard. And I think I'll always find that hard. What about some of the best things about following Jesus? Yeah, lots of things, which mean that I do want to tell other people, even if I find it hard. Um, uh, so many things. I, I guess something that I'm conscious of at the moment is the hope of heaven. Um, the hope of heaven. I, Friday afternoon... Um, Sunday afternoon today, so a couple of days ago, my afternoon was spent visiting um, a family who've been touched by a suicide in recent weeks. Um, I then went on to a hospital to visit a lady whose um, husband's funeral I took about 10 days ago, and then on to a home, I know that many of you will know the home, where a young lad, aged 23, um, was killed in a car accident just a few days ago. Um, but we have good news of the hope of heaven. And that evening, we had a talk in Valley James Duff. Um, the question was, is there any hope in the face of death? And I'll tell you what, I really needed to hear that talk that evening. Um, and it was a good reminder that, yes, we do. We have, um, we have hope in the face of death because Jesus died and rose again. Mm -hmm. And he promises that his people will be with him forever. 
That's brilliant. Thank you very much. We're going to pray for that family uh, in our prayers now, and we're going to thank God for the harvest as well as we turn to prayer. So let's begin with the, the Lord's Prayer, and we'll close with the collect for harvest that's on the, the service sheet there in front of you. When I say, uh, when I say uh, in, at the end of each bit of thanksgiving, I'll say, we thank you, O God. Please can you respond and praise your holy name. So I'll say, we thank you, O God, and please respond and praise your holy name. Almighty and everlasting God, creator of all that is seen and unseen, you've placed us in a beautiful world, and you are good to us every day. We praise you for the days of sunshine and rain to make the plants grow and provide us with our harvest. We thank you, O God, and praise your holy name. For those who work, so that we may eat from, from uh, the farmers who produce the grain and the meat and the dairy to the people who sell it and cook it for us. We thank you, O God, and praise your holy name for one another and for friendship we share, for friends at school, at work, and in our local community. We thank you, O God, and praise your holy name for Jesus, the bread of life who satisfies our deepest needs in giving us life that will last forever. We thank you, O God, and praise your holy name. We continue in prayer, and when I say, Lord, in your mercy, please would you respond with, hear our prayer. Gracious Father, we pray that we may never take your gifts for granted, but use them wisely and responsibly, remembering the needs of others. Help us not to lay up treasures for ourselves, but instead to be rich towards you. Lord of the harvest, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, this week has seen a tragic accident. We pray now for the family and friends of Harrison Jameson. Please be especially with his parents, John and Shirley, as they grieve their sudden loss. Please be with them right now as the funeral service concludes. Please be near to them. Thank you that you promised to be near to the brokenhearted. May they know your everlasting arms around them. Please be with Harrison's siblings, Mitchell and Victoria and Jade, as they grieve the loss of their brother. Please give them your peace that passes understanding. Please be with all his family and friends grieving at the moment. We also remember the family and friends of Martha Bennett and of Carmel Gavin and those grieving the loss of loved ones in Krishla, and for the Argue family on the anniversary of Cecil this week, and in a moment of quiet, any others who we know are grieving at this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and to rise again. His cross declares your love to be without limit, his resurrection declares that death, our last enemy, is overthrown. By his victory, we are assured of the promise that you never leave nor forsake your people. Please comfort those who are grieving at this time. Please enable them to find in you their refuge and strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Sovereign Lord, we pray for comfort for all Iranians on this day of prayer for Iran whether they're living in Iran or overseas. There are so many who are hurting and grieving over what's happening in that nation. 
We pray especially for the family and friends of Massa Amini. Please comfort them. We pray for an end to the injustice and oppression that's caused by Iran's government. We pray for healthy and just leadership to emerge in the nation. Please may there be freedom for people in Iran and may many find that the truth found in Jesus sets them free forever. Please give the church courage to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and please protect them as they do so. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we remember any we know who are sick or suffering in any other way in a moment of quiet. Lord Jesus, we remember how when a friend of yours was sick in the days of your flesh, word was sent to you, he whom you love is sick. We speak now the same message to you, those we love are sick. We ask for your blessing upon them. We pray that their precious lives may be spared and restored again to health. Please give wisdom to the doctors and bless the medicines and the means. And while our dear ones suffer, may they be sustained by your grace held near your own heart and kept in peace. And may they come again from the sick room with a sweeter trust in you, with more patience and trust, and ready for your service. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We close our prayers with the collect for harvest. Let's pray this together. You can see it printed on the service sheet. Together we pray. Eternal God, you crown the year with your goodness, and you give us the fruits of the earth in their season. Grant that we may use them to your glory for the relief of those in need and for our own well-being through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. If you'd like to look up, we're going to sing at Father Blessing Every Seed Time to the tune of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It's a hymn that celebrates God's kindness in the harvest and his kindness in the gift of his son who died to save us. Verses 1 and 2 go together and 3 and 4 go together and 5 and 6 together. So just sing along to the tune of uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus and it will uh, it'll work.
Please do be seated, and I'm going to let Mark introduce our reading for us. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you for your warm welcome. It's always nice to be um, in Drang. I've been here a few times over the years, even before um, we moved to Ireland um, 18 months ago, and it's nice to be back with you and see some familiar faces and some new faces as well. As we start, just before we have our reading, um, I want to show you some pictures. And I want to tell you, I want you to tell me rather, if you think the people who own these things are successful, doing well, or failures. And I wonder if you can give me a a thumbs up for success and thumbs down for failure. Okay? Now, I forgot how big Drum Church is. I'm used to slightly smaller churches over than the Kildrum Person Group, so my pictures are pretty small. But I'll bring them a bit closer to you. I'm really sorry if you're watching. here. I'll try and run up between, but I may not see much of you for a moment. Let me show you these pictures. Here's the first one. Imagine, imagine this is your playroom. Imagine this is your playroom. Look how many toys are there, what's it? Thumbs up, thumbs down for how well this person's doing. What's it? I'm seeing some thumbs up. Yeah, if you were growing up and you're a bit embarrassing, you can do the kind of little thumbs up. <laughs> uh, there we go, okay. What about, who likes some gadgets? Who likes gadgets? Imagine these are the gadgets sitting on your desk. What do you think? This person's doing well. I think we've got an iPad there. We've got some headphones. We've got an iPhone. What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Yeah, we're doing well. Okay. Pretty successful. Imagine this is. Imagine this is your house. Imagine this is your house. Maybe it is one of your houses. Who knows? Who knows? Imagine this is one of your houses. What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up, yeah! What's going well? You're successful! Imagine this is your collection of cars. Yeah, maybe it's not one of your collection of cars. Probably some Google images. Maybe they're taken from drum, who knows? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Of course, thumbs up! Maybe you're about to get a car at this point. Imagine this is your farm. Your farm is so big, you need, what's that? One, two, three, four, about 15 harvesters to get the harvest in. Thumbs up, thumbs down, yeah! What's going well? What about, oh, have any of you watched Clarkson's Farm? Any of you seen any of that? He's got an absolutely massive tractor that's too big to actually fit anywhere on his farm. Imagine that little tractor. You doing well? You are, aren't you? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. What's going well? Okay. Imagine after you kind of stop your farming, you take a, a little break, imagine you're one of those farmers who does actually take a holiday. This is where you go on holiday. Thumbs up, thumbs down. How's the work going? It's going well, isn't it? You're successful. Imagine this is you. Homeless and hungry. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Successful or failure? Failure. Of course, failure. Failure. Good job, everyone. I think most people would agree with you. If you've got lots of stuff, you're a success. If you haven't, you're a failure. As the car bumper sticker puts it, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's so often how we think, so often how we live. And yet Jesus said something very different and pretty surprising. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against wanting to have more and more things. Life is not made up of how much a person has. 
But he didn't just say that. He told a story to help us to understand it. And we're going to read that story now. And I think Warren's going to come up and read it for us. Hello. Uh, yeah. uh, our reading is from Luke 12, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? He said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not contest in the abundance of one's possessions. He told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. Then I will store all my grain and my goods. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So this is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. Let me lead us in a prayer, can I? Heavenly Father, thank you very much for all your good gifts to us. And we pray that this day you would help us to respond in the right way. But we sang in our first hymn that what you want above all is our humble, thankful hearts. And so we pray that you'd be at work in our hearts as we think about these words, this parable that Jesus told for a few moments together now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what makes uh, a good, a successful harvest? I don't know how the harvest in Drung has been this year. They're judging from your displays. It's been pretty good. These are things that you've grown locally. And uh, thank you to, again to those who have decorated, made the building look so beautiful. I apologise in advance if I get a bit excited and fling an apple at anyone um, over the next couple of minutes. Um, But the harvest in this story we're thinking about this afternoon, this parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12, well, that was fantastic. It was lights out brilliant. So good the farmer had to build bigger barns to store all that he had grown. In fact, so good he decided he had enough to take life easy, to eat, drink and be merry. Now, it's obvious he wasn't a cavern farmer, isn't it? Do you know how I know that? Because he decided to retire. I don't know any farmers in Cavern who retire. I've still got folk farming in their 90s. I imagine it's the same around here as well. But that's what this man did. He retires. And I think most of us, we saw him that night. So he sat back in his armchair, looking out at his lands, trying to figure out exactly where he's going to put these barns, what extensions he might make to the farmhouse, where, where he'll put the hot tub, where he might go on holiday, what gadgets he'll upgrade, what car or cars he'll buy. Most of us would look at him and 
Would we think he's a failure or a success? What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs up. He's a huge success, isn't he? We look at him with huge respect, maybe even a tinge of envy. Because here is a man who's arrived, who's made it. He's living the dream. He's living his best life. He's got to that point in life that so many of us work so hard day in, day out to reach. It's why we go to school, isn't it, guys? So we can pass exams, get good jobs, earn lots of money, buy lots of stuff, and then relax. Isn't that what life's all about? Not according to Jesus. Not according to Jesus. See, God's verdict on this man's life is very different. Adults, I don't know if you ever thought, slightly morbid, but have you ever thought what you might like your epitaph to be? Kind of come past lots of them, don't you, in your way into church every Sunday and out again. Um, Spike Milligan's apparently says, I told you I was ill. Pretty good, isn't it? My favourite. Here lies Ezekiel Akel, age 102. The good die young. Whatever we'd go for, whether something humorous, whether something more poignant. I doubt any of us would want the one-word epitaph that God gives the man in this parable. Fool. You fool, God says to him. Imagine having that on your headstone. Imagine that being the one word underneath your photo on rip.ie. We give this man the big thumbs up. We think he's sensible, successful. What does God give him? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Gives him the thumbs down. He says he's foolish and a total failure. Big question for us to consider this afternoon is why? Why does God call this seemingly successful man a fool? And how can we avoid him saying the same thing about us? It's a good question to be thinking about at harvest time. See, harvest traditionally isn't just a time to thank God for our earthly harvest, for our foods. But to think about the harvest at the end of time, when in the words of the hymn that we'll sing in a couple of moments, God separates the wheat from the tares, the the wise from the foolish. So what are we to learn from this man? Well, three things. Here's the first. It's foolish, Jesus says, to live for retirement and ignore eternity. Just imagine, can't you? He's just back from his celebratory dinner at the Kilmore. Uh, His friends and family have raised a a glass to him. And his retirement, they congratulated him on being someone who knew when to stop, when to call it a day. And as he struggles to locate the architect's plans on his dining room table amidst all the holiday brochures, he tells himself, it's okay, plenty of time for all that. Tonight's the night to enjoy it. So he sits back in his armchair, glass of whiskey, or suitable soft drink in his hands, and he says to himself, you've done it. You've done it. This is what you worked your whole life for. You plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and... Suddenly he feels a pain in his chest. And before the ambulance arrives, he's gone. Imagine, imagine your mum and dad are, um, are taking you on a trip down to, uh, down to Kerry or to Cork, somewhere a good drive away from Cavan. Uh, and as you arrive, they take you to this amazing restaurant. 
and you have what is the best meal of your life. Incredible. But then at the end of the meal, you say to them, that was great, thank you. What's the plan now? Plan, they say. Yeah, what's the plan? Where are we staying? We've had a five-hour drive, where are we staying? Oh, we haven't thought about that, we just planned dinner. What would you think? You'd think they'd been a bit stupid, wouldn't you? To think, to plan for the short thing and ignore the long thing. Look at verse 20. Look what God says to this man. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? He had said many years. God said this night. He thought he had the future all planned out. The problem was he mistook time for eternity. He planned so carefully for retirement, for this life, but with no thought at all for the next. Spent all his life building his bank balance and then found himself somewhere with no cash machines. And Jesus says that is very, very foolish. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing this parable teaches us. It is foolish to live for success now and ignore God's judgments. Again, you can imagine the funeral service they hold for him, can't you? The the streets are are aligned with well-wishers. The church is packed. His wife stands up and says, what a great husband he was. His children stand up and say he was a brilliant father. Even the manager of the mart stands up and says, do you know, he wasn't just a good farmer, he was also a good businessman. He had a a good business head. See him in a little tribute in the cell the next day, listing all his achievements, telling everyone what a successful life he had lived. And yet God's obituary is just two words long, and it's quite different to the others. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Demanded. Did you notice that word? This man's life was to be demanded from him. He didn't own it. It was on loan. Like a library book. Like a a digger on hire from the local hire company. And one day that loan would be called in. And he would stand before his maker. Imagine imagine there's a competition at school. uh, An art competition. And you decide to enter so you paint a, a picture for it. Here's my attempt. Actually, this wasn't me. My attempt wouldn't be this good. And you show it to your friend and they say, oh, that's good. That's great. And you show it to your little brother and he says, oh, wow, you're definitely going to win. You'd be feeling pretty good, wouldn't you? But imagine the judge of the competition says, actually, it's a bit of a mess. And she doesn't really like the colours you've used. Whose opinion, whose judgment matters more? It's obvious, isn't it? It's the judges. It doesn't really matter what others say. And yet this man in the story Jesus told lived as if it was the opinion of his friends that mattered. The opinion of those around the bullring at the mart. The condolences on RIP.ie. He'd lived as if the speech at his retirement party was the verdict that matters. And yet the judgment that really counted was that of God. And what did he say? I once heard it said that failure is being successful at what doesn't matter. Failure is being successful at what doesn't matter. It makes me think of a time a few years ago watching a man ride the world's smallest unicycle. And I remember being sat there thinking, wow, this is really impressive. He is so talented. What a great skill to have. And then thinking later, what a complete waste of time watching it. 
and even more spending your whole life perfecting it. Failure is being successful at what doesn't matter. But as we stand before God one day, what else will come in that category? What car we drive? How new our tractor is? How big our house or farm is? The gadgets we have? How many toys we have in our playroom? How well we do at school? Our reputation? Popularity? The only thing that will matter on that day, the only thing, is what our Creator thinks of us. And if he calls us a fool, well, everything else will be a waste of time, won't it? What will God say of you, I wonder? What will he say of me? It's foolish to live for success now and ignore God's judgments. But why worry about that judgment? After all, there's no reason, is there, to think that this man in the story wasn't a a faithful husband, a a generous farmer. He was clearly a hard-working farmer, probably well-respected in the community too, as I know many of you will be. So what was there to worry about? Well, there was one thing, and actually it was pretty significant. See, this man had spent his life worshipping the wrong thing. We've had a pretty good harvest of vegetables in our garden uh, this year. Though when I say we, um, I really mean she. Because it's Ruth, my wife, who's the gardener, who did all the digging, all the planting, all the harvesting, basically all the work. So imagine for a moment. You can imagine a little bit longer while I put this back on. Imagine for a moment that um, Ruth presents me with a plate of parsnips, which are my favourites. I absolutely love parsnips. They are the king of vegetables. Uh, You may have a different opinion. You're entitled to that opinion. You're wrong, um, but you're entitled to that opinion. I love parsnips. Imagine Ruth gives me a plate of parsnips. But from that point on, I begin to ignore Ruth, my wife, because I want to focus on the parsnips. So I take the parsnips out to dinner to spend some quality time with them. I, um, I take them to the cinema and on holiday, I leave Ruth at home. She even has to start sleeping on the sofa because there's not enough room in our bed for the three of us, for me and Ruth and the parsnips. Can you imagine? Be ridiculous, wouldn't it? You'd think I was complete idiots. And yet that's how this man was treating God. And the Bible says, actually, we all do something similar. We want the gifts but we ignore the giver. We want the created things, but we reject the creator. Sure, we sing, come ye thankful people, come, and now thank we all our God at harvest, but the rest of the time we don't thank him as we should. Still less listen to him and obey him. In short, we live for created things and often ignore the creator. And Jesus says that is very, very foolish. And of course, the ultimate created thing we live for, rather than God's, is ourselves. Do you notice how many times this man says, I, me, myself, in his little speech? Listen to verses 17 to 19 again. See if you can count. I, me, myself. I'll ask you in a moment. See who gets it. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. How many? How many? Anyone counts? How have we got? Got seven there? Any more? Any advance on seven? I could work at the mart here, couldn't I? Any advance on seven? 
Got 10 there? I counted, I counted 11, but I may have counted wrong. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. The only time he says you is when he's talking to himself. He thinks he's self-sufficient, when in actual fact he's self-centered. He worships himself. And God says it's not just him. This is how it will be, verse 21, with anyone who stores up things for himself that is not rich towards God. So what hope is there? Let me say again, it's an important question to be asking at harvest. As we think not just about our earthly harvest, the food that we enjoy, the tea we're going to enjoy in a few moments, but the harvest at the end of time. What hope is there? Can we have any confidence as we look ahead to that day? Well, the answer, wonderfully and surprisingly, given what we've seen, is yes. Because while there are certain things we can't change, we will all die. We will all face judgment. And none of us have treated our Creator as we should. There is one thing that can be changed. And that is God's verdict. That epitaph. You fool. How so? Well, because the very person telling this story, the very person telling this parable, is the one who stepped down from eternity into time and space. He's the one who will judge everyone who has ever lived. He's the one who gives us every good thing that we enjoy and yet we ignore. And yet he came and died to change that eternal epitaph for all who will put their trust in him. See, as he hung on the cross, he took the foolishness of a life lived ignoring God on himself. He took the anger, the punishment we deserve for rebelling against our creator so that his people will never have to face it. Instead, they can live and die with complete security, knowing the one who has eternity in his hands, having the judge as their friends, enjoying the fulfilling relationship with their creator. They were made to know a relationship as superior to simply enjoying the creation as my relationship with Ruth, my wife, is superior to an evening with a plate of parsnips. So what does real success look like at harvest? What does a, a thumbs-up harvest look like? Well, ultimately, it's not about how good our harvest has been or how much we have. It's about how we respond to Jesus. That's the message of this parable. Jesus, you see, how we respond to him is the difference between God calling us a fool and God calling us his forgiven friends. So let me ask, where do you stand with Jesus this harvest? whether it's been a good harvest or a bad harvest, where do you stand with the Lord of the harvest? Have you responded to him? And if you have, as I'm sure many here will have done, will you learn from this parable? Will you take the opportunity, this harvest, to look ahead, to consider eternity? Will you make God's judgments the marker of success or failure rather than other things? And will you resolve to thank and worship the creator rather than living for created things and for yourself? Let me lead us in a prayer as we close. Father God, this punchy little parable is a warning. And none of us like receiving warnings. I doubt any of us came to church this afternoon hoping we would receive a big warning from your word. And yet... In your wisdom, that is so often what we need. And so, Father, to the extent that 
We need this warning. I pray that you'd help us to heed it. I pray that you'd help us to listen to Jesus' words, to have soft hearts, and that we would be those who respond to him and are therefore called your friends, rather than those who fail to respond and receive the epitaph that this man receives. Please help us to dwell on these things. Please help us to respond rightly to them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our final hymn then is one Mark's already referred to, uh, raising the song of harvest, giving thanks to God, and recognising that judgment that is a good thing, because it will mean there'll be no more sin or sorrow uh, in heaven. Free from sorrow, free from sin, there forever purified. Let's uh, stand and sing together, number 37, Come, ye thankful people, come.
remain standing uh, we're going to give thanks for the offertory so I'll say all things come of you O Lord and please respond and of your own have we given you then we're going to give thanks for the food and then I'm going to close with a final prayer so all things come of you O Lord and of your own have we given you and father we thank you for the tea and those who've prepared it we pray you'd bless it to us and we'd enjoy time together across the road Please keep us safe as we go down there. And now may God, our Creator, who clothes the lilies and feeds the birds of the air, bestow on us his care and increase the harvest of our righteousness. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen. Well, let me just uh, bring you up to date with the announcements um, and that's to say that this Wednesday we have What's the Story happening in Ballyhays College at 8.30pm in the Anna Lee Room. On Thursday we have In Touch at the Rectory from 3.30 till 5pm. On Friday night it'll be Teens for Christ and BB. And then on Saturday night there's the Songs of Hope in Coot Hill Presbyterian Church to raise funds for the Shoebox Appeal. Um, and I think that's it by way of announcements at this point. Um, so we'll say goodbye to you and hopefully see you soon. God bless. Bye-bye.